Welcome to Kesed. If you're new, thanks for coming. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we are so excited that you came by this holiday season. We're in a series right now called Iconic. We are talking about the age-old Christian tradition of uh, iconography, basically what you see in stained glass windows with doves and, and storms and, you know, refuge, caves, those sorts of things, symbols that people have used time and time again to talk about who God is. Uh, every week we have a different icon, and this week we are using the icon of a gift. Uh, we're going to talk about this kind of around, around two different angles because uh, throughout Scripture we see that, that gift is a kind of a big deal to God, giving and being generous and that sort of thing. But uh, today is not about raising money. I just want to say that right away. Today is about you and I reorienting ourselves around what it is to, uh, to be givers and to be receivers of gifts. And so that's uh, what we're hoping to accomplish. Um, when you walked in, you were given a red envelope. Let me explain this. Uh, when we planted Kesed 14 years ago, uh, we were part, uh, some of us were part of a larger church in town that had just exploded. And it was beautiful and, and tumultuous and gorgeous and ugly all at the same time. And one of the things we pulled uh, from that experience was that sometimes a church will kind of get caught up in its own story and its own ministry and in its own good works and even in its own reputation. And then you start to think like you're not just a movement of God, like you're the movement of God. And so when we planted this little church, uh, we had no money. We didn't plant with any support. It was just uh, some families that got together and said, hey, what if we, what if we, tried to create a church that maintained its messiness, that maintained its humanness, and that basically anything that was good about it, God got credit. And the more and more people have got to know me, at first, you know, I, it was a great angle to plant a church, but then people got to know me and they're like, I just want you to know that there's so many great things about Kesed. And the more I've got to know you, the more I'm like, there is a God. And I was like, I feel like that's offensive somehow, kind of quietly. And the, the reality is, the more that they do get to know uh, skill set, leadership, and all the other things, which are all really important in church, the, the truth of it is, without God, none of that matters. It's all just people trying to sell stuff, people trying to get together and convince you to be a part of something. And anybody can do that for any reason, but only God can create something beyond the people that are leading it to bring glory to him. And so we've maintained that the best we can since the beginning. And one way we've done that is through this service. When we started the church, we knew that the biggest single offering of the year was always the week before Christmas Eve. I don't know why. It's just when a lot of folks come that, that are familiar with church, Christmas Eve is when a lot of guests come. So you don't generally really, that, that's not about the offering. It's not about that at that time. But this week, right about in here, we got these huge offerings. So we said, what if we just gave it all away? And this was at a time when we didn't have enough money for like the rental of the space that we were in. And, and it sounded really romantic and beautiful until we actually did it. We put together a service. I think we did our first one at the Heathman Lodge and we filled one of their ballrooms and we were like every dollar that shows up today. And we had some red envelopes that goes into this red envelope will go to uh, this organization that has nothing to do with Kesed. It's not a ministry of Kesed. It's not a movement of Kesed. It's something in our city that God is also using. And it was like triple our normal offerings. And we were like, you're welcome. Like it was so painful. I'm just being honest. It was like, uh, it was so painful. And, and yet God provided 
all the bills and all the needs and everything. And so every year since then, we have, we have maintained this tradition that we give away one usually giant offering to somebody outside of ourselves to remind us that we are just another part of the kingdom, no more significant, no more powerful, no more beautiful. We are just another part of the body of Christ. And so that's what today is about. So I'm grateful if you came. I do not need you to feel any pressure to give, but I, I do think we have a really special opportunity to, uh, to do something powerful in our community. Uh, so let's start off with this principle of giving. I'm gonna give you two different orientations for giving. The first one is the spiritual orientation of giving as it has to do with actually handing someone something of, your, of yours, your money, your influence, your time, your, even you could say your advice and so forth. Um, I did a message a while back around giving and I highlighted how for many of us, it is actually much easier for us to give than it is to receive. You don't think that naturally. You think, well, the easier thing to do is not pay the cost, right? Is to be the person standing in line and receiving the gift. That's the easier thing to do. And it is for some of us. But for others, if we're just gonna be really ego honest, it is actually really hard for us to receive. We would much rather be the givers because there is this idea that there's a pride that comes when giving to someone else in more need than me. Like, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to help you. And, and I'm not necessarily looking down upon you. I'm just looking up, up upon myself. It's not really about you. It's about how good I feel about me. And so giving actually oftentimes can, can end up being a really messy way for us to pretend and act holy when in reality it's one of the most prideful, arrogant things we do all year. Merry Christmas. Matthew chapter six, verse one through four, uh, Jesus talks about this and he says it, you know, with, he doesn't mince words. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the way we are called to give. It, it doesn't really give many other options. This is the path toward actual giving instead of giving someone to something or to someone that is actually just to benefit you. I believe we're called to give this way because it's the same way God, of course, we know so generously gave us. Romans 5, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how Christ gave to us. He didn't give to us in order to receive glory. He gave to us in order to meet need. He gave to us because it was, it was the only thing that could bring to us the life we so desperately needed. And he did it without pretense or without praise. He did it so that you and I could sit in a space that we are right now and receive from him. And whether you believe in God, whether you're on a spiritually curious journey with God, whether he is your very best friend, God continues to allow your heart to beat as a gift of life from him. You can usually, you can use that heartbeat. You can fill those lungs with air and curse him and he will still gift you with life. 
How profound is that? This sort of God that gives in this sort of way, who sacrificed his son on a cross so that you and I could stand in his presence and proclaim, like the song said, all hail King Jesus. How powerful is that gift of Christ? And yet most of us walk around without constantly even being reminded about it. And yet he knows that all the time over and over and over that you and I are living upon this planet is a gift from him for us, even if we never recognize him for doing so. The next uh, orientation I want to talk about is the spiritual orientation of receiving. So this is actually now receiving the gift. Uh, I can't think of a better passage to explain this incredibly important orientation than the passage I'm going to read next. It says that uh, Jesus is traveling. He has raised Lazarus from the dead. And the sisters of Lazarus decide to have a party for Jesus to celebrate him. And this is what happens. John chapter 12, we'll start in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. When we read passages like this, uh, it's always important to let the words kind of fill an actual space. Imagine that, that there's a man in your town who's been raised from the dead and you get invited to come to the dinner with that man, with his extended family, and with the one who raised him. There's a feast laid out. There's discussion. There's laughter. There's all those awkward questions that you would ask of someone like Lazarus, like, where'd you go? What was it like? Are you weird in the head now? Stuff like that. <laughs> Stuff like that. Right, uh, there, would be, there would be praise, there would be questions, there would be discussion, and most certainly, and we don't talk about this enough, but I think Jesus was hilarious. There would have been massive laughter. I think we just imagine Jesus just walking around with this solemn personality. I don't think so. I think he was snarky as can be, right? I think Lazarus made all kinds of comments, and Jesus like, do you wanna go back in the tomb? Is that what you want right now? Like stuff like that. Because Jesus invented all the humor and all the things, and it was also beautiful and serious. But within this space is somebody who's seen the room differently. Within this space, there's Mary. And Mary is watching, and she's laughing, and she's listening. But more importantly, she just can't keep her eyes off of Jesus. And the, the, the resurrection of, 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 of uh, Lazarus is a big deal, but Mary is much more focused on Jesus and she's pondering this gift that has entered her home. And she's thinking, how could I ever, ever honor the reception of this gift? And then she has an idea. Back in her back room somewhere, there is a, a box. And in that box is some very expensive ointment. It's actually ointment worth, we're going to find out, worth 300 denarii. It's a year's wages. There's a high chance she might have inherited this. There's a chance that this was a part of a gift of some sort. Or she had just earned enough money to save it for an occasion she didn't know what for. And she realizes that the gift of Jesus needs to be recognized. And so she gets up. Perhaps quietly, she goes in the back room and she walks out with this gift. And this is just, I just, I just think there's something really special about this moment right here because I think a lot of us in this room, you need this moment. You need this moment. 
There's, we're in a busy church service, we're in a busy holiday season. You got stuff going on at work, you got personal life stuff. And there is a table that Jesus wants to recline at with you, but you gotta look past all that stuff to see the gift that he is. And she walks in and Jesus knows, I think he sees her first because he's like kind of a big deal that way. And he sees her across the room and he knows, oh, this is this moment. And she passes the first person and she passes the next person. And then she sees him and he sees her and he knows and no one else sees it yet until she takes off the lid of the box. And the house is filled with the fragrance. And slowly, one by one, the room gets quiet and she begins to weep and she bends down and she takes his feet and she takes this ointment and she begins to anoint his feet and she begins to sob and she wipes his feet with her hair. In this culture to be someone who wiped another person's feet is to say that I am your servant. That's why it's a really big deal later on when Jesus does it for his disciples. She recognizes the gift that he is in the midst of this room and people are awestruck by it because she knew how to receive it. We often think that we have to come to Jesus with with a bunch of Bible verses memorized or a bunch of wisdom or a big long track record of ways we've served him. I'm just here to tell you, all you have to come to Jesus with is your full self and some tears sometimes. Like that's all he's looking for is your full self. If that's laughter, if that's joy, if that's shouting, if that's quiet, if that's falling to your knees, if that's sobbing, if that's anointing, whatever it is that he's called you to come to, he is interested in locking eyes with you in the midst of your busy life and pulling you forward so that you you and him can have a moment that everybody else in the room goes, oh, what just happened? I wonder which was more powerful seeing Lazarus walk out of the, the, the cave alive or seeing Mary give everything she had to the Messiah because of the gift that Jesus was. It's a beautiful space. Some of you, you're waiting to be called out of the cave. That's the only way you think you're gonna have a relationship with Jesus and it's just not true. That stuff happens, but that's not, I don't think the primary way he engages. I think it's more like this, but you gotta bring your stuff You gotta let the fragrance of your life fill the room, even if it's not your favorite. And you gotta see what Jesus wants to do with it. Because I believe, I believe it's a lot. But people will always be bothered by this kind of lifestyle. And so in this room, it's no different. There's a man there named Judas, verse four, but Judas Iscariot, um, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Please recognize right away, there will always be naysayers and there will always be people who think your gift could be used to benefit them. Why are you using that for the kingdom? Why are you being generous in that way? There's a different way that you can live your life. And usually those people have some sort of selfish receiving orientation, which is exactly what we're experiencing here with Judas. Every gift they give or, or receive is about them. It doesn't matter whether they give it or they receive it. It's always turned in on them. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.10 talks a lot about how money is used this way. And this is exactly what Judas is caught up in. He's oriented on himself. The verse says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. We don't use pangs enough. We should bring that word back. Like you're a pang in my butt. Like stuff like that. Like that. 
You try it, try it on, try it on for size this week. Say, I learned it at church, right? It's, again, this is a verse about not, not that having wealth is bad. What is true is that it's difficult to possess wealth in a way that doesn't orient our lives back upon ourselves. And this, this principle of spiritual, looking at how you're spiritually oriented, has, it can expand to even further than these sorts of things. It can be exercised within an, every area of your life. For instance, lust, pride, anger, envy, and so forth can be best understood when looked at as a spiritual orientation problem. For all of that is sin, and sin is just love turned in on itself. It's just that everything is oriented around you. Your pleasure, uh, uh, not experiencing pain, being comfortable, everything is about how it affects you instead of seeing the things in your life as gifts to be received from the creator. And Jesus isn't about that. He's not about it in your life, my life, and he's definitely not about it in Judas's life. And so he replies, he says, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus defends Mary from Judas's criticism by pointing out the unique opportunity Mary had at that time. He is speaking to Mary's selfless receiving orientation. He can recognize that she had her eyes on what she was most grateful for, and that was Jesus. The question then becomes this holiday season, what are your eyes on? And if we're just gonna get kind of ugly, are you someone whose eyes are on Jesus, the, the servant leader of all who calls you to great serving and generosity and, and, and giving and receiving and so forth? Or are your eyes on the money bag? And are you wondering, how can I engage in that for myself, for my own betterment, for my own building up of my own reputation and my own movement? Because often it's about where your eyes are that the fruit of your life leans towards. But what really stands out to me about this entire story is not Judas's selfish orientation or even Mary's selfless orientation. What really jumps out to me every time I speak about this story is the willingness of Jesus Christ to receive it all. I mean, this is the owner and creator of all things who was willing to receive in this public and attention-bringing way from someone of so little power. I, let's just be human for a second. If you are a person of means, and, and let's say a person of reputation, and you go to a banquet, where at that banquet you're going to be helping people in need with your company, with your organization, with what it is you've acquired, and one of the people who shows up to receive sees you, and then God lays on her heart to come and give you a gift in front of everybody, I guarantee there's not a person in this room who's like, oh, no, no, no. No, 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 that's not why I'm here. That's, and we'd probably be a tiny bit condescending. That's not why I'm here, hon. I'm here to help you. Jesus doesn't do that. He goes, okay. And he is the, 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 the breath of life. He's the one who's like, sun, go up. Sun, go down. Moon, go up. Moon, go down. Sure, Mary. Sure, put some ointment on my feet. We would not do that. I promise it's true. You might think you would. But if you showed up in a place of honor, highlighted by what you were and who you did and even your power, the miracle of your presence, and someone showed up to gift you something in this way, your pride, my pride would be like, absolutely not. 
I don't, I don't want to be someone who appears in need. And yet Jesus Christ is willing. He's willing. It's unbelievable to me that he so graciously honored her orientation as the receiver of the gift and that he then in return became a receiver of her gift as well. And so in this way, he once again was the example of what it means to both receive and give love perfectly oriented all in one example. This is who we're supposed to be. This is what our lives are supposed to emanate. It's supposed to be a fragrance of our gift back to God constantly. And we're supposed to be throwing feasts because of all the amazing things God has done. We are supposed to be receiving and giving, constantly living in this beautiful cycle that it is because of him and who he is that we can give and receive in the first place. The ministry that we're gonna talk about here uh, is called One Life. And it's an incredible ministry and it does a lot of incredible things. And so before I have Andrea come up and kind of reveal how these things that we're talking about today are actually put into practical uh, outworking, uh, I, wanna, I wanna show you a video that just sort of catches that up. So please watch. At One Life, we have seen over 3,000 families having to come through our door, which is actually a 50% increase over last year. More and more people are finding that even though they have a job, because over 75% of our clients that come to us have a job, the money that they're making is not enough to spread throughout the month. That's where One Life comes in. We're the place that has lots of food, healthy food, to help people every single day. We provide that food for free. There's no strings attached. It's families with children. It's single moms. It's single dads. It's seniors. It's disabled people. It's veterans. It's houseless people that are on the street or living in their car. It's anybody. It's your neighbor. There are lots of people that are living in houses right next to you that need food that you might not even be aware of, but One Life is. We are a 501c3 registered here in the state of Washington, and we are 100% funded by private donations by individuals, corporations, churches, and people from our community. We at One Life strive to be friendly, inclusive, and to know the people by name. So when our clients come in, we can greet them by name. We know what's going on with them. We can pray with them when they're trying to look for a job or going through something. And so when they come here, they feel like One Life is one of the most loving and kindest places that they've ever been to. One of our largest programs is our shopping style food pantry where we allow our clients to be able to choose the foods that they would like to have. One of the things that's nice about that is is that it helps to remove food waste and people actually get food that they enjoy eating. As part of our food pantry we also provide toiletries and household items, we have diapers and diaper wipes, and we also provide pet food so we have a garden in the back where we grow actual fresh produce in the summer. 
we try to concentrate on things that clients can't buy or are more expensive for our client to buy. And then that way we have a way to give organic, pesticide-free vegetables to our clients right in our food pantry. Along with that, we do a nutrition education cooking classes. So we teach people how to actually cook meals at home on a budget and also using the staples and things that we have here in our pantry. Jesus said that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And that is one of the backbones of what we do here at One Life. We're here to love our community, to love our neighbors, and to feed anybody that's hungry. Allow me to welcome my friend Andrew Walker to stage. How are you? Good to see you. Yes, thank you. Third service, third service. Yes, um, almost done. Yeah, this is, this is one of my favorite crowds, so it's going to be great. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, let's just start at the beginning. Tell us how One Life came to be. So um, 25 years ago, it's kind of hard to believe it's been 25 years I've been doing this. Um, I was involved in an intercessory prayer group at the church I was attending, and we were praying about what we could do to do practical things to bring the love of God to the city. And in that prayer meeting, it became clear to us that the Lord wanted us to start to feed people. And I had come home from that meeting and I was sharing with my husband about what the church was gonna do and everything and he said, Andrea, that's your job. And I was like, no. And he was like, yes. And I was like, no, they asked somebody else in the meeting, they talked about who they were gonna ask and it wasn't me. And he goes, I'm telling you, that's your job. So when they went and talked to that person, of course, God already knew that was my job. So they said no. <laughs> and um, it was a th thing where God said to me, Andrea, I have been preparing you for this job all your life. And the reason why he said that is because when I was a small child, I was born into a very... Um, verbally abusive, physically abusive uh, situation where my father used to gamble away um, the money and as children we didn't have food. So I knew what it was like to be a child and not have food. And then later in life when I was a mom myself we were in a situation where um, our rent had uh, been set at a certain number when we had actually signed a lease. We thought we could afford that because my husband was promised a job at a certain salary. And then when he got actually hired, they cut his salary by $500. And I was working two jobs, he was working, and we just didn't have enough to eat. Um, and during that time, the Lord was really uh, talking to us about tithing and giving. And so uh, we just really felt like we needed to give to God. And um, so we said, okay, Lord, we haven't been tithers. We're giving our money. We went to the pastor. We actually repented for not giving our money because we thought, learned that it wasn't honoring God. And um, that 
Sunday, we gave our check, and then Monday, there was a knock at the door, and a gentleman came, and he said, the Lord told me I'm supposed to give you this check. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I, I, the, I didn't say this before, but I actually closed the door on him at first. Oh, wow. <laughs> you just left the guy with a check on the front door. <laughs> So then I, then I called my husband, and um, he said, take the check. Yeah. <laughs> good, good husband advice. Yeah. And then when I opened it up, this is just so how the Lord is, and I think he gives you signs sometimes to show you how generous he is. The amount that that gentleman gave us in the check was the exact amount that we tithed. Yeah. So I think the reason why the Lord reminded me of those things is he always wants us at One Life to be generous, that we can never outgive God. We always have the mentality at One Life that we'll give away every can off the shelf. If people need it, it's there. Tell me about those people. You have, you have a, just a, a plethora of people, all different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different, a uh, lot of different age groups, a lot of older folks. Yes. Yeah. So just like our Vancouver itself is becoming more diverse, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we are becoming more and more diverse. Um, our population who is in need is also very diverse. So we have a lot of non-English speaking people. So we have people from the Ukraine that are here because of war that's happening over in that area. We're familiar with that. We have Afghanistan people. We have people from Micronesia. We have people who are Hispanic, um, some from Mexico, Guatemala, Venezuela, all different people from that area that um, a lot of times don't speak English. Um, we have seniors. Um, that's one of the reasons why at One Life in the video we showed that we give away pet food because a lot of our seniors need those pets as companions. Same with people who might be disabled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They need those pets too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll choose not to eat because they're on fixed incomes to provide for their pet. And, and the shopping style pantry allows, because again, people from different cultures, yes. eat, they, they want different foods than others. Correct. Yes. So with the shopping style pantry, they get to pick and choose their own foods. Yeah. Um, it also takes away, like I said in the video, food waste. Mm -hmm. So like for our Hispanic families who love pinto beans and black beans, mm -hmm. they can, and rice, they can have as much as they want. Mm -hmm. Where some of our Ukrainian clients, they might not want those foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah. more equitable and yeah. it also gives dignity because uh, the way that some food pantries do it is a volunteer goes in the back and then picks the food out themselves. And what I found uh, is that they usually pick something that they like or their favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not necessarily what that client yeah. uh, wants. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so... Uh, obviously, there's people here in the room. There'll be people watching uh, later online or who are also watching online. Tell us, how can we be a part? Okay, so there's uh, 
different ways. Um, financially, you can give to us. Um, one of the things that we do at One Life is because we are part of the Clark County Food Bank, the Oregon Food Bank, uh, Washington Emergency Food Assistance Program, USDA, we get our food at no cost. So when you give, the majority, over 90% of what you give goes towards the mission. Um, the things that we do have to still cover, well, we still need money because we have to pay for insurance. We have to pay for electricity. We have to pay for equipment. Uh, we have big refrigerators and freezers and we have air conditioning units and things that we need to make sure that we maintain because it keeps the food safe because we have to make sure all the food we're giving out is safe. Mm -hmm. um, so if you give $25 to One Life, we can feed a family of four for a whole month. And our clients are allowed to come every single week if they need to. Yeah. And then we also have a monthly giving program called Hunger Heroes. Um, we like to say, you don't need superpowers to be a hunger hero. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like, you know, so you can give monthly to us. Um, and, you know, we have some people that just give us $10. You know, uh, you, and we give people their give 25 and just, 50. That's just... <laughs> She's just gonna. She's gonna adorable us right into just helping so many people not be hungry. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned the cost of last service. You mentioned the cost of uh, food. Uh, yes. I think you mentioned a fact about the Home Alone movie. Yes. Yeah. Tell so one of the reasons why we're seeing so many people right now that are hungry is because of high inflation that we're all dealing with. I'm sure when you guys go to the grocery store, your food bill has doubled or tripled in what you're doing. Um, and I recently came across an article that in the Home Alone movie, which I was now found out was 30 years ago, uh, there's a scene where Kevin has 20 bucks that he finds at his parents' house and he goes to the grocery store and he buys all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So they did a, a retail looking at uh, adding up what that all cost. Last year, that cost $44. This year, those same items cost $77. So people on fixed incomes um, and with the high cost of rent and everything just going up, that's why there is such a big need. Yeah. And I know, just from being in this room, statistically, there are some of you out there that need food. And we're here to spread the love of Jesus and give you food. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, yep. <laughs> so... One of the things I just kind of want to share, too, is that there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, my husband and I, there have been plenty of times where we were running one life and we needed food. Um, so uh, the other thing that way you can give, because we're talking about other ways of giving, too, is volunteering. Mm -hmm. So we have volunteer opportunities on Fridays where we uh, unpack all the food that we get from the food bank and get everything ready for when the clients come. And then also on Saturday when we actually distribute 
food to our clients. Um, and I know for some people it's very hard to even walk through the door and ask for food. So sometimes people will come through us through volunteering because it's easier to come yeah. and volunteer. And then when you see other volunteers getting food, it breaks down your stigma. Okay. So then you'll also want to yeah. join in and yeah. see. I had a gentleman come up after Thursday service uh, and share with me. I, I asked permission to share this and he said I could. Uh, I had never met him. He was talking with Chandra and I about the impact of this service. And he said, I, I need to admit that a while back I needed food, but I, I, it was because I had lost my job and some other circumstances. And he said, but I didn't want them to think that I wasn't grateful. So I went down to not this food pantry, a different food pantry, and I dressed in my dirtiest clothes so that they would at least know they were helping someone in need. And I'm realizing now I didn't have to do that, that I could have just been a human being in need and, and went and experience that. And I, I agree, it's really, really hard. So I, again, there's people in this room that, that uh, you need food and there's information at the table in the back where the One Life folks are. And we just want to really highlight that uh, we, are, we are asking you to, to be somebody who orients themselves around, around the gift because you deserve it. And, uh, and there isn't any reason that you or your family uh, needs to be hungry right now. Uh, there's other people in this room that uh, this is an opportunity to give in a quiet way. This is an opportunity to give in a way that, that probably no one will know. You'll get no applause um, other than, than just, you know, the spirit prompting you. Uh, and so there's some different ways you can do that. You can take the red envelope and you can uh, put cash in it. You can write a check and drop it off uh, with uh, the ushers on the way out and the baskets they have. If you do write a check to One Life, uh, actually write it to Kessid because Kessid's gonna collect the checks from all three services and then write One Life one single check. So don't bring any funds back to the table. Make sure they go into one of the offering boxes um, or into the baskets. And then also uh, there's a QR code uh, right there that you can give if you just click the Uptown Campus and One Life and everything you give there will also be tallied and, um, and given to, to One Life to, yeah, to keep the cause moving forward. Uh, what else? You wanna you're going to pray for us. So one closing, final, adorable thing you'd like to tell us? <laughs> the one thing I will tell you is that if you, um, I guess that's one of these things. I think sometimes people look at other people that are up here and they think you have some kind of special gift or some kind of thing that just draws you for God to like start you on some little small little thing. And in reality, when I started this, and this way I still look at myself, I'm just a housewife taking care of my kids. And God just put something on your heart and you can start really small and just go out. Like when we first started, we just knocked on doors at apartments and said, we're from a local church and we're giving away free food. Do you need food today? Mm. And the Holy Spirit sat there and would say, mm. we were just praying and we didn't have any food and we didn't know what we were going to do. Mm. And we could then say, God wants you to know he's real. Mm. God yeah. wants you to yeah. know he sees you. Yeah. And that's what we try to do at One Life. That's why it's One Life is because Every unique life is how we look at people at yeah. One Life. Yeah, amen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting us be a part. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You want to pray for us?
Oh, we're located in the Haug neighborhood, which is only three blocks down from here. So it's very convenient for any of you guys, if you live in the area, you're actually helping people and feeding people right here in your own community. Yeah, yeah. And there's information at the table in the back where you can find their address and so forth. So, yeah. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, Lord God, and we thank you that you are the most generous giver. <laughs> You, Lord, gave your son for us so that we could have everlasting life. Help us to remember that everyone is our neighbor and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to go out into our neighborhood and highlight the things that you want us to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just give her a hand?